mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, Richard Sturban has been the most distinctive voice of the Oak Ridge Boys for a half century. He'll join us to talk about his legendary career ahead of the group's appearance at Tiffin's Ritz Theater later this month. Also this morning, Hancock Public Health Commissioner Kareem Baruti talks about the implementation of the latest community health improvement plan. L'Oreal Paris Cosmetics looking to honor extraordinary female nonprofit leaders through their Women of Worth philanthropic program. We'll tell you more. And starting to get a little spring fever? Plenty of outdoor fun in March from the Hancock Park District. Michelle Rumschlag will tell us what's happening. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, February 28th, 2023. As expected, we got kind of a uh, spring-like day, some spring storms and some heavy rain. Uh, I happened to see a story on the uh, on the news, the upside to, and it's been it's been stormy and crazy weather all across the country, including in Southern California, where they've been like a decade-long drought or more. It's like a decade and a half this huge drought, and they have gotten wave after wave of rain and even snow and all of that the upside is that the spring flowers are going to be absolutely gorgeous the spring bloom is going to be fabulous uh pretty much everywhere (laughs) you know from the east coast to the west coast everybody when spring arrives is going to be busting out in full color and i can't personally i can't wait because i'm hoping that my social media feed will be filled with these gorgeous photos of springtime flowers and blooms and all of that. Let's let's do that. Let's make that go viral uh, here in about a month or so. And those lovely photos. Uh, so just waking up, getting your uh, Tuesday morning started. Are you? Uh, do you get up early to get your morning workout routine in before you start your day? Uh, if you do, good for you in more ways than one. Now, there are some people who prefer uh, working out later in the morning or in the afternoon as opposed to the morning because of personal preference or work schedules, whatever. The timing of one's workout according to new research, may have an impact on how much you benefit from said workout. New study reveals that morning exercise burns more fat and jumpstarts metabolism, while afternoon exercise could result in a longer life. So I guess it's what do you really want out of it. According to the owner of CrossFit ENG in Cape Coral, Florida, Dale Suslick, Exercising in the afternoon generates more energy at a time when individuals tend to slow down. The energy boost can help one power through the remainder of the day and finish strong. The study, which examined more than 90,000 men and women, found that individuals who exercise between 11 a.m. and 5 p.m. have a lower risk of premature death from heart disease or other causes than those who exercise in the morning. Um, However... um, it should be pointed out that if you work out any time in the morning or later in the evening, the study found that physical activity at any time of the day is better for a longer life than not exercising at all. So, so again, morning workouts, uh, better for burning fat and boosting your metabolism. Uh, later workouts, better for extending your life. So. Make of that what you will. I just throw that out there for you to decide. Here is something interesting. Among the first things you need to know this morning, most buzzworthy stories of the day, there is a growing chance that if you commit murder in this country, you would get away with it. Homicide clearance rates have decreased, according to an analysis of FBI data by the Marshall Project, and Murder Accountability Project. (laughs) What a name. The Murder Accountability Project. Analysis of FBI data finds that homicide clearance rates have decreased to their lowest level 
uh, since 1980, uh, actually since before 1980, um, in 1980, the clearance rate for homicides is 71% in this country. Today, or at least in 2020, the latest data available, it's around 50%. Only about half of the murders committed in this country are ever solved. According to this report, America is now at risk of becoming the first developed nation where the majority of murders will go uncleared. So we're right at that tipping point. Although U.S. police have solved more murders than in any year since 1997 because of the increasing number of homicides, the clearance rate has dramatically declined. Uh, Researchers found that the top five homicide hotspots are St. Louis, Missouri, New Orleans, Louisiana, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and Detroit, Michigan. Denver, Colorado, the best performing of the 50 big cities in the study. To clear a case, it requires at least one suspect be arrested, uh, arrested, charged, and turned over to the court for prosecution. That's what they consider to be a cleared homicide. So, doesn't say that they necessarily have to be convicted. Uh, that's not part of the equation. Just arrested, charged, and prosecuted. So, make of that what you will. It doesn't bode too well for Detroit. Bodes much better for uh, the month of Denver, or for the uh, city of Denver. Uh, speaking of lists of cities, this is kind of interesting. In what, what city would you guess in the United States is the saddest city in America? As a new survey conducted by the U.S. Census Bureau found that the nation's saddest large metropolitan area is Seattle, Washington. The Emerald City ranked number one with the highest percentage of respondents who answered that they were feeling depressed and hopeless. In the first two weeks of February, nearly half of Seattle area adults reported feeling down. Um, Riverside San Bernardino, San, <laughs> Riverside San Bernardino uh, in California took second place. Phoenix came in third. Uh, L.A. and San Francisco made made it into the top 10 saddest cities, while Washington, D.C., Chicago, New York, and Dallas round out the list. So those are the uh, top 10 saddest cities, Seattle, number one. Again, I don't know. Does it have to do with weather? I mean, it's always rainy and gloomy and all of that. Is that the, uh, not the reason Seattle is so? Because it is a lovely city. Uh, if you've never been, it is a lovely city, a beautiful city, very picturesque, a lot of things to do out of doors, relatively mild temperatures. It just rains a lot. It's just rainy and cloudy a lot, but it is a gorgeous city. I don't know. Maybe they should go to Detroit and then the uh, folks in Seattle would be much, much happier. I would think. Uh, let's see here. Um, Again, here's another list. Uh, Again, ranking cities with wedding season coming up. Bachelor party season is fast approaching. So with that in mind, uh, there is a a new study crunching the numbers to find the best places in the country for the guys to cut loose before the big day. They ranked 200 of the largest cities in the country. Among the metrics that they looked at were the number of bars, party buses, overall safety. This is very safe, very, very important to be safe while you're <laughs> your evening of debauchery. Uh, the number of hotels and, of course, gentlemen's clubs. The number one city in the country for a bachelor party, New York. New York City, the Big Apple. Miami, Florida ranked second. Los Angeles uh, came in third, and Las Vegas was fourth. I would have, I would have thought Las Vegas right at the top of the list, right? I mean, that's the first first place immediately that comes to mind. You think bachelor parties, you think Vegas, but Vegas only fourth. Houston, Texas rounded out the top five. Um, 
If you want to see the full length, full rankings, again, 200 of the biggest cities in the country were ranked on this. And it is online at lawnlove.com. Lawn, L-A-W-N, love.com. Uh, in case you're curious, <laughs> the worst place to have a bachelor party, according to the rankings, Rockville, Illinois. <laughs> hey, gang. We're going to Rockville for our bachelor party. That's said no one ever. <laughs> All righty then. So yeah, Vegas is fourth. That is just an amazing thing. Um, I mean, nothing against New York and Miami and L.A. I mean, they're great places, but I don't know that I would necessarily put any of them before Vegas. Um, and lastly, among the first things you need to know, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, we always have to have to have something to be worried about and fearful of. And here is what we are wringing our hands over today. Florida bracing for another invasion. No, it's not uh, illegal immigration that is uh, anything. To, not talking about that this time. It is the brown basilisk. Known as the Jesus, this is known as the Jesus Christ Lizard. And it is so named because it can run on water. Uh, It is native to South America, but has been popping up in Florida, which is concerning to environmentalists because it is yet another invasive species. The belief is that people who purchased the lizards as pets have released them or they escaped and have now invaded the wild. Uh, Ken Gielli, I think is how you pronounce it, the University of Florida, University of Florida Institute of Food and Agricultural Sciences, has warned of a possible human health impact because the lizards can host certain mosquito-borne diseases. In addition, they could disrupt the ecosystem by uh, eating native butterflies and other lizards to ward off a potential lizard invasion. He is urging residents to take photos if they spot a basilisk and share it uh, with authorities. The uh, If they can share the potential location of the lizard, it will help biologists get an idea of where they are migrating and whether future action will be required. So, there we go. We have a lizard invasion in Florida, so that's the latest that we have to worry about. There you go. The first things you need to know to get your Tuesday morning started. I'm Dave James on the Ohio News Network. A possible tornado caused damage yesterday afternoon in a village about 15 miles southwest of Columbus. Richard Solomon with ONN affiliate WBNS-TV reports. I'm in Orient, Ohio in the Fox Lair Farms trailer park. And I'm told that people do have minor injuries, but they're expected to be okay. It threw me into the closet. I've got me all banged up. Took my trailer and it moved it five feet to the side off center. It sounded like a freight train come through here. The winds got real bad and it didn't last but a few seconds and then we came out and looked and seen all the damage. In Orient, Ohio, I'm Richard Solomon. A barn at the nearby Pickaway Correctional Institution, a medium security prison, also was damaged. The National Weather Service will conduct storm surveys to determine if it was a tornado. They'll also survey damage near Middletown and Butler County and in Clark County, west of Springfield. In federal court in Cincinnati, the federal government rested its case yesterday in former Republican Ohio House Speaker Larry Householder's racketeering trial after presenting jurors with reams of financial documents, emails, wiretap audio, and firsthand accounts of what prosecutors allege was a $60 million bribery scheme to pass a billion-dollar ratepayer-funded bailout of Ohio's two nuclear power plants. Former Ohio Republican Party Chair Matt Borges is a co-defendant in the trial. Defense lawyers went immediately to work calling State Senator Bill Seitz of Cincinnati to testify on the merits of the bailout bill. I'm Dave James on the Ohio News Network. My baby is American made, born and bred in the USA. From a silky long hair to a sexy long face, my baby is American made. 
Well, the Oak Ridge Boys will be at the Ritz Theater in Tiffin on Saturday, March 18th. Over the course of some 50 years, they have won five Grammys, two ACM Awards, four CMA Awards, eight Dove Awards. They've been inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame, the Gospel Music Hall of Fame. They're members of the Grand Ole Opry. Richard Sturban is with us this morning, and as soon as you hear his voice, you will know which one he is in that four-part harmony they are famous for. Richard, thanks very much for taking the time. It is an honor, sir. Well, Chris, it's my pleasure to be able to talk to you and to all of your fine listeners out there. (laughs) You know, 50 years in any business is impressive, but in the music business especially, it is practically unheard of. What is the secret? Well, I think there are are many reasons. I think first and foremost is the fact that we love doing what we do. You know, uh, we look forward every night, even after all, even after 50 years. We still look forward to getting on stage, taking our music live to our fans and to our audiences because it is what we love doing. I joined the Oak Ridge Boys in 1972, believe it or not, and we do not want it to end. We want it to continue for as long as possible. You know, so I can tell you, as long as the good Lord above will keep blessing the four Oak Ridge Boys with good health, you're going to see us out here doing this because it's what we love doing. It really is. Uh, we, we love the creative process of recording new music that keeps us going. Mm-hmm. You know, we have new music out and we're, we have plans to make a new album this year again. So, so, so we're looking forward to that. You mentioned you joined, uh, 1972. What I did not realize was that when you joined up with the group, uh, you had a pretty good gig going at the time. You were a member of Elvis Presley's uh, backing group. You know, you're right. It was a pretty good gig. <laughs> no question. For about two years before I joined the Oak Ridge Boys, was- I sang in a group called J.D. Sumner mm-hmm. of the Stamps Quartet. And, and, you know, I happened to be in the right place at the right time because we got a phone call from Elvis. He was looking to hire a new backup group, and he hired J.D. and the Stamps. And here I was, a young guy in my 20s. <laughs> I found myself on stage with the biggest star in the world. Yeah. You know, that, that, it was well, pretty mind-boggling. You know? Well, I was wondering, was there some hesitancy, some apprehension in signing on to this Oak Ridge Boys deal? I mean, that's a pretty good gig to walk away from. Well, you know, well, well that's, that's an interesting story. You know, here I was singing with the biggest star in the world, and I, one day I got a phone call. And it was William Lee Golden of the Oak Ridge Boys. Mm-hmm. He's the guy in our group, as you probably know, with the long beard. Right. But back then, he did not have that long beard. You know, <laughs> he, he was he was Mister GQ back then. <laughs> <laughs> but but he called me, and he said that the bass singer in the Oak Ridge Boys was leaving the group, and the Oak Ridge Boys wanted to know if I would be interested in taking the job. I really loved the music that they were making, and I really believed that the group had a great deal of potential and I wanted to be a part of it. So I made the decision. We've been so blessed. We've had such a great career. So when I look back on that decision I made way back in 1972, I think I made a pretty good decision. <laughs> I was going to say it, it's worked out pretty well. We mentioned all of the yeah, honors. I think it did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we mentioned all of the honors, the accolades that the group has earned over the years. I don't know, it may not be necessarily a fair question, but what do you look at as your greatest honor? You know, I would I would have to say without an exception, uh, you know, being inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. Yeah. You know, uh, if you sing country songs for a living, there's no higher honor. And it's still difficult to find just the right words to describe how special it is. Yeah. You know, when you look at the, when you, when you go into the rotunda of, of the Country Music Hall of Fame here in Nashville, and you look at, you know, you, you look at the wall, you know, the faces in bronze on the wall, you know, you see Elvis, you see mm-hmm. Johnny Cash, yeah. you know, you see Dolly Parton, you know, to be a part of that family is so mind boggling. Like I say, it's difficult for words. Pretty good company. Your biggest uh, chart success, uh, of course, came during kind of the urban cowboy era of the 1980s. But for those who only know those hits like American Made and Bobby Sue and, of course, uh, Elvira, you may not realize that the Oak Ridge Boys have their roots, as you were mentioning, in Southern Gospel. And you kind of come full circle on that. It's where you started and much of what you do today. You know, one of the reasons the Oak Ridge Boys are still doing what we do is because we love the creative process, 
creating new music. That's something that keeps us going, you know. And we are now being produced by Dave Cobb. Now, I don't know if that name rings a bell to anyone, but Dave Cobb is really one of, he's one of the hottest guys here in Nashville right now. And he produced a, a new project on us here just a few years ago. We actually recorded the project during the pandemic. And I re- all, the, all the studios were closed down. Nashville was completely closed down like mm-hmm. everywhere else in this country. Yeah. But, but Dave Cobb called us up and he said, fellas, you know, we can now record. You know, we just have to abide by the protocols mm-hmm. and, and which we were able to do. But he told us, he says, what I want to do, he says, I want to capture the feeling of four guys just gathering on a front porch and just singing mm-hmm. in a very informal way, you know, uh, uh, with a very little structure to it. And, uh, and, and Dave Cobb is a master at capturing feelings like that. And we were able to find some great songs. We found some old, old, getting back to your original question, we, we found some old, old gospel songs. That mm-hmm. I think people will recognize that they were they labored to sing along with. We also found some great old country songs that people will recognize. But then also some brand new country songs. That's awesome. This project as well. But I think the most important thing is all of these songs on this project are very inspirational. They're songs that give people hope that are going through difficult times. And so, you know, when we come you know, to town, we're going to sing, you know, some of those new songs as well, because they're very important songs. And so we, we, we you know, we're, we're really happy with the way the project turned out. And we're happy, you know, about the fact that we're working with Dave Cobb because he's such a special guy. He really is. It, it must be nice to be at that point now where, I mean, you hear a lot of, of artists who've been doing this for a long time. They say that sometimes what really kind of burns you out is having to constantly feed the, the hit making machine. And you are to the point where you can kind of do these projects that you want to do and do them on your own terms. And I would imagine that's one of the things that that allows you to keep going the way that you do. Well, well you know, you, you're very perceptive there. You're, you're absolutely correct. We do not, when we go into the studio, we do not worry about what country radio is thinking, you know, because yeah. we don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. just want to go in. We, we go into the studio. We want to record good music. We want to record stuff that we, that we enjoy recording. You know, and a great a great example is on this last album that I was telling you about, produced by Dave Cobb. I remember walking into the studio. And this is a great story. I remember walking into the studio one morning, and I say morning. It was it was it was noon. You know, it was, uh, <laughs> some of us don't do mornings very well. <laughs> but 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 we walked into the studio. We had just kind of gathered there. You know, we we had no idea what we were going to record first, and just just talking. You know, and just out of the clear blue, Dave said, fellas, if you guys were on the bus getting ready for a show and you were, you were warming up and harmonizing, what would you sing? Immediately, Dwayne Allen, our lead singer, he started singing an old spiritual called Swing Down Sweet Chariot. Mm. It, we had mm-hmm. never recorded the song, but yeah. we all knew the song. And we immediately jumped in and started harmonizing with him. Mm. And Dave said, that's it. That's it. He said, Get to the microphone right now. <laughs> That's and, awesome. You know, we had just walked through the door at yeah. the studio. We had no idea what we we're going to do. And I, in, in probably less than an hour, it was a done deal, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, the Oak Ridge Boys is going to be at the Ritz Theater in Tiffin Saturday, March 18th. There are still a few seats available, but they are going quick. Again, Richard Sturban with us this morning. Richard, thanks very much for taking some time. Certainly looking forward to the show and certainly best of luck in the uh, for uh, however much longer you want to do this. Well, I can I, let me speak for all the Oak Ridge Boys, and I can tell you we do not plan to retire anytime <laughs> soon. You know, as long as the good Lord above keeps allowing the four Oak Ridge boys to have good health, we're going to keep doing this. And let me tell you, I can speak for all the Oak Ridge boys. We're looking forward to coming back to Tiffin. We're going to, we're going to make it a great night. Richard, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, my friend. Appreciate it. So earlier this month, the Be Healthy Now Hancock County Coalition presented its health improvement plan to the community. Hancock Public Health Commissioner Kareem Baroudi with us this morning to talk about some of the key points and how that plan will be implemented. 
First of all, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. We appreciate it. So the Be Healthy Now Coalition is a number of groups, including uh, Hancock Public Health. Talk a little bit about the coalition and uh, who uh, had a hand, who all had a hand in in putting this plan together. Um, Thank you, Chris, and uh, good morning. Um, this uh, the coalition. It's been in existence since uh, 2011, and uh, this is a cyclic process that we go through. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, mobilizing for action through partnerships and planning. Um, we do have, uh, you know, a variety, very diverse partnership with um, the Adams Board, the Blanchard Valley Health System, um, 50 North, uh, the Community Foundation, the United Way. Uh, I don't want to miss any of the University of Findlay. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a lot of partners, the, the, the food bank, all come together every three years to look at the results of the survey we've done uh, back in the fall and come up with priorities. What are our priorities for the next three years? So a pretty broad coalition. Uh, in, in when you talk about uh, health, uh, you you define that in the broadest terms possible when you put this uh, coalition together. Yeah, that is correct, and that that stemmed you know bringing that you know very broad coalition together stemmed from the fact. Um, that about 80% of what determine our health outcomes um, is our environment, the social determinants, mm-hmm. you know, um, and um, and our health behavior. Yeah. Only 20% is determined by uh, what the doctors and, and uh, the health system can help us with. And so the, uh, the health improvement plan that, uh, again, as we mentioned, uh, was presented to the public uh, earlier this month uh, comes from the latest health equities report, which was out uh, in 2021, right? So we've got that report. Let's talk a bit about that and some of the key things that that you find in that report that made its way into the health improvement plan. Because obviously, I mean, it's a big report. You can't address every single item uh, in the report. You can't uh, necessarily uh, implement into the plan, can you? I mean, you have to kind of pick and choose what the most important parts are. Yes, absolutely. And that's a, an excellent point. The equity report is going to serve as a resource, um, uh, you know, guide for all those agencies, all that broad coalition, as we implement initiatives that came out of the uh, the health improvement plan uh, to kind of focus the resources where it's needed most. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important. Um, this is a, a very, very, an excellent report because it, it shows even at the census tract level, the street level in Findlay and Hancock County where we have health disparities. Um, we looked at um, at poverty uh, levels. We looked at education attainments. We looked at um, even um, uh, li- you know uh, life expectancy in the different and and it was you know it was stunning to see on the on the street level you know that that our neighbors you know two streets over they have a lower higher, uh, you know life ex- expectancy and lower health outcomes because of where they live because you know where they work because um how uh, some of the health behaviors yeah so focusing on those i think it's going to help us improve the health of the community a little faster it, it, certainly a valid point that uh, some of the uh, points in the health improvement plan will address multiple issues that are uh, brought up in the health equities report i mean one uh, initiative uh will maybe uh, focus on a particular uh, a particular aspect of health and cover several points in the uh, health equities report. So with that being said, what are some of the key areas that you looked at in the health improvement plan to focus on over the next two to three years? Like I said earlier, the health improvement plan is based on the on the population survey we've done um, in the fall mm-hmm. and uh, on the uh, uh, quality of life survey we've done a little later. Uh, and multiple data points that we brought together to that coalition. Uh, three three major priorities came out of it. Um, uh, you know, priority one was uh, health behaviors. Uh, priority two was access to care. And priority three was mental health and addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and e- under each priority, the, 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 the coalition came up with strategies. How are we going to address that the next three years? Um, under health behaviors, we came up with four strategies, um, you know, got to do with increase the evidence-based um, on tobacco and nicotine uh, use programs in Hancock County, mm-hmm. vaping in schools, um, uh, increase the number of tobacco cessation treatments offered in Hancock County um, in uh, partnership with the Blanchard Valley Health System, um, increase the number of food initiatives through the food bank. Uh, food security is, is a big component of this too. Increase the number of diabetes prevention programs. Diabetes and obesity, we've seen it, you know, cycle after cycle surfacing up to the top. Um, under priority two, access to care, 
Uh, we had two strategies as a community, increased access to preventive care um, uh, for Hancock County residents through the mobile health clinic part of it, uh, increased access to physical and mental health care uh, for low-income Hancock County residents. Under priority three, mental health, of course, decreased suicide overdose fatality uh, by 20%. Uh, we want to increase youth engagement and success in um, as adults and results presence of five most impactful protective promotive factors, um, increase the number of drug-related treatment options. Um, Hancock County becomes a destination for employment uh, and health and human services and increased reach um, of harm reduction. So a number of those uh, points uh, have some very specific goals attached to them, so measurable, so you can measure the results. Yeah, uh, uh, this plan, like you said, it's a broad coalition. Uh, we want to make sure accountability is, is number one uh, to the residents uh, to, um, and to, um, um, to, to the population, you know, even people who come in and work here in, in Hancock County. Um, so we're, pre- we, we're going to come up with a dashboard. We have different work groups working on different goals. Um, and that dashboard is going to be um, uh, accessible to the public where they will go and see the progress in each and every measure, each and every goal we, uh, we, we specified in that plan. So the question then becomes, you identify all of the, the, the uh, issues you want to focus on. You identify some ways uh, to address those issues. How do you then go to implement uh, those uh, those initiatives uh, that you that you lay out to address some of those problems. As soon as we uh, the the uh, plan was completed and unveiled, uh, we started assembling work groups, and those work groups are um, even broader than the actual coalition that came together. Um, it, it get you know we involved housing in there, we involved transportation, we involved every aspect of the social determinants that that came up and said, okay, you know what. This is preventing people from achieving better health. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to address the root cause, and that's, the, that's how we, we're going to do it. So work groups are going to be assembled. They're going to work on the different initiatives, report to the, uh, to the layer above. Um, then it will feed into the dashboard where actual residents can see the progress. So these work groups, then, do they have a, kind of a blank slate in, in terms of you're going to work on, on this problem? Uh, let's say, for example, uh, tobacco use uh, and uh, and team vaping in, in mm-hmm. schools. You mentioned mm-hmm. that as, as one of the uh, issues. Do you kind of give them a blank slate uh, as as to how they go about uh, addressing that issue or how best to uh, address those uh, issues and bring that those numbers down? Sure, and that's an excellent question because those work groups um, have the best experts we have in, you know, uh, in the community coming mm-hmm. together and saying, okay, you know what, that's how we want to address this issue. The plan did specify kind of a roadmap of how we want to go about it. Um, you know, use evidence-based uh, programs in schools. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, use evidence-based programs in the, at the community level to see how we can, we can address some of those challenges. Um, but in all in all, we're going to, uh, not a blank slate per se, like a roadmap, but mm-hmm. we're going to keep, keep the liberty of them, um, you know, innovating and improvising and, and making sure that we get the results we want. Well, like any roadmap, you have a number of roads that will yeah, get absolutely. you to your destination. So yeah. um, one of the other things, and again, uh, we talk about uh, tobacco use as an example, teen vaping and so on. A lot of these uh, issues are not necessarily new. Um, it seems like we've talked about a number of these uh, in the past. So some might wonder, it seems like we're go- talking about the same issues uh, over and over again. Are we kind of spinning our wheels? Yeah, um, and that, that's a valid point. Sometimes, you know, um, we at you know, public health officials, we feel kind of, um, you know, uh, taken back a little bit by, okay, what, what is the progress here? Mm-hmm. Um, remember, 80% is social determinants. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of stuff that, you know, um, and, you know, 10%, 20% is behavior. So 80% of the overall health is not determined, but something uh, that we can change in a switch. Yeah. Um, changing behaviors takes time. Um, you know, I, I agree. The tobacco uh, fight, we've been fighting it for 50 years. Right. Uh, we've always had the, we've been always the underdog because, you know what, big tobacco had big, uh, big money to spend on that. Right. So uh, going to the root cause, I think it, it, it takes a little more time, but I think that will help us as a community saying, okay, you know, well, that's where the problem starts. Let's go there. And to that end, uh, again, the Community Health Improvement Plan uh, is a two-year uh, project. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse me, my apologies. Twenty twenty three through twenty twenty five. Is that going to be enough time? 
Yeah, well, um, I think we uh, we came up with, um, you know, a, as a coalition, when we met and came up with that plan, we said, well, we want some that, that we can we can accomplish in, in three years. Mm-hmm. Um, something that, um, you know, that's uh, measurable, something that's attainable. We, we, we don't want to come up with a lot of strategies. We want to come up with fewer strategies so we can show progress. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important in that fight of, again, changing behaviors, uh, changing social determinants of, of um, uh, you know, to, to affect health outcomes takes a little time. Um, we're hoping in three years we can show a little progress, but that's always um, a work in progress. Uh, so obviously not going to be the last time we talk about uh, these issues uh, necessarily, but uh, putting together a plan to uh, at least uh, make some progress, make a dent uh, in a number of these issues. The reports that we talk about, and they're pretty uh, wide-ranging, are uh, both the uh, Community Health Improvement Plan and the Health Equities Report that it is based on uh, are up on your website, right? Absolutely, yep. Uh, we have that link up at our webpage as well, goodmornings.net. Again, Hancock Public Health Commissioner Kareem Baruti with us uh, this morning. Thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate Thank you, it Chris. as always. Thank you. Well, in case you haven't heard of this before, Women of Worth is a philanthropic program of L'Oreal Paris, the well-known cosmetics company, of course. For nearly two decades, they have been honoring extraordinary female nonprofit leaders who selflessly volunteer their time to uplift and serve their communities. Susie Viberall uh, was one of the L'Oreal Paris Women of Worth honorees last year and joins us this morning. Susie, I want to talk more about this program here in a moment, but before we get to that, the organization that you founded that won you your award is called Room Redux. Explain a little bit about what you do. I sure will, and thanks for having me today. Room Redux transforms the rooms and lives of children who have faced abuse. We do this anonymously, which means the children never see us. And we do this in one day. And as a Women of Worth honoree for 2022, talk about how you were able to elevate that cause that you are so passionate about through this program. Being named uh, L'Oreal Paris Women of Worth 2022 has been the best experience. Not only has the program put us on a national platform where mm-hmm. we can tell everyone about our nonprofit organizations. They also provide mentorship through the L'Oreal Paris Network. And this year, each honoree will receive $25,000 wow. for her nonprofit. Wow. Yes. So what does, what L'Oreal Paris has done for, for our organization, for Room Redux, is really help us transform even more lives of children who have faced abuse and really changed the trajectory of their lives while breaking the cycles of abuse. Huge. So, so tell us more about uh, this uh, program. As we mentioned, it is in its 18th year now. I- explain what the uh, program is all about and how it works and so on and so forth. Yes, 18 years. That's 170 women who have been honored and celebrated so far, <laughs> which is just a testament to the heart of L'Oreal Paris. And yes, they are a cosmetics brand and hair care brand, and they have the best products that I've been using for 40 years, by the way. <laughs> but <laughs> just, just throughout my, my age, but that's okay. They actually really and truly want to honor and celebrate women who are change makers, female nonprofit leaders who are making a difference in their communities and Changing the world, essentially. That's what L'Oreal Paris Women of Worth does. So how do uh, so so how does one nominate someone for the if I know a uh, female uh, leader uh, that is, you know, like we said, kind of falls into that category of uplifting, serving their communities, and I think that they deserve to be uh, recognized for that. And as you mentioned, obviously, a lot of resources to help make that that passion, whatever it is, uh, e- even better. How do we go about getting them nominated? What's the uh, process to set this in motion? Really think about women in your community who are making a difference, who do work tirelessly to transform your community and lives and the world. And that could be 
your sister or a friend, a coworker, and ladies out there, it could even be yourself. Just like L'Oreal Paris' tagline says, because you're worth it. You are worth it. So it's wonderful for people to be able to nominate, nominate themselves, someone they care about, someone they admire. You go to womenofworth.com and nominate someone or yourself or several people by March 8th, okay. womenofworth.com. And it's going to be super exciting to hear who the honorees are. We'll find out later this year. But to find out who they are and what their causes are, I'm really looking forward to it. I can't wait to hear. Uh, again, uh, Susie uh, Viberall, uh, one of the uh, L'Oreal Paris Women of Worth honorees last year for her organization, Room Redux. And uh, again, as, as you were mentioning, just the, the things that you were able to do now uh, because you were uh, among this elite group, uh, it's got to be just a tremendously satisfying for you knowing that so many more kids can be helped uh, through this program. Oh, I love it so much. I am eternally grateful, not only for the grant that they provided and the national platform, but people are reaching out to me now wanting to volunteer, wanting to sponsor a room transformation and donate. And people are starting chapters now. That's especially awesome. People who know, right. They know about L'Oreal Paris women of worth program, or they're just now learning about it. And they reach out to me and say, hey, can I start a chapter? We've got two starting in Ohio, and we're ready to start a chapter where you are, too. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> uh, Susie, once again, uh, where do folks uh, learn more about the uh, Women of Worth uh, program? You mentioned the website. Let's throw that out there again real quickly. Yes. Visit womenofworth.com, and you'll see the information. You have to know details like contact information and the organization, the mission, things like that. And then get your nominations in before March 8th. I know I've got a bunch on my list across the country, and I know you do too. I know there are some fantastic female nonprofit leaders up there, and so let's, let's see them. Absolutely. We'll get a link up on our webpage as well. Susie, thanks very much for taking the time and uh, certainly continued success. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. 20 years of making mornings good mornings with Chris Oaks. On 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Authorities say that a vintage car used in the classic Dukes of Hazard TV show crashed over the weekend. Apparently, the driver and passenger landed in a hospital in Missouri. The uh, local police chief tells the Springfield News leader uh, that the driver was going too fast and lost control of the car. Well, of course he was. It was, the, it was General Lee. Of course he's going too, <laughs> too fast. <laughs> but apparently he's not a quite as good a uh, driver as the uh, Duke boys. Um, the car from the 1980 show, nicknamed the General Lee, played the uh, part of another main character. Uh, there were hundreds made for its original taping, more than two dozen uh, for the 2005 remake. And now there's one less in the world, apparently. <laughs> yes, he wasn't quite the driver <clears throat> that perhaps he thought he was. Call it a big old swing and a miss for the Department of Transportation in New York City. A sign honoring baseball legend Jackie Robinson went up in Queens on the Jackie Robinson Parkway. So they were hanging a new street sign for the Jackie Robinson Parkway. Unfortunately, (laughs) there was a typo, a major typo, uh, on the uh, sign, which features a picture of the great Brooklyn Dodgers player that broke the color barrier 75 years ago. Uh, Unfortunately, the uh, word or the, uh, the letter C was omitted from the word Jackie. So it was the Jakey Robinson Parkway. <laughs> um, not the first time that the New York Department of Transportation has uh, had an oopsie like this. Public transportation officials recently misspelled famed painter Georgia O'Keefe's name on a wall inside a rail terminal by admitting uh, omitting one of the F's in her last name. They say they are working on uh, 
getting a new sign made post-haste. They're going to get that up forthwith, as they say. Um, elsewhere in the broken news, or the odd and unusual side of the headlines, they say kids say the darndest things. And has you ever, your kid ever blurted out something that you didn't want them to say? <laughs> you ever had that is embarrassing, isn't it? Well, it can be more than embarrassing. It can cause some serious problems for other members of the family. A toddler in Kentucky tattled on a fugitive staying in his parents' home when the adults wouldn't talk. <laughs> Kentucky State Police visited the residence on Friday morning seeking a woman wanted for six outstanding arrest warrants. The adults in the home claimed the woman in question was not there when the toddler suddenly spoke up reportedly saying, it is good to be honest. We shouldn't lie. She's in the room next to the bathroom. <laughs> the woman was arrested for felony drug possession, theft, and failure to play, pay child support. <laughs> I don't know that she'll be supporting that child in the future either, but I wonder if the other uh, adults in the, in the home were charged for lying to police. Kids say the darndest things. Um, speaking of kids, this is a crazy story. Um, more than 40 students from a British school were left stranded in the U.S. over the weekend with their school saying that a New Hampshire hotel that they had been visiting had destroyed the group's passports. Destroyed their passports. The 42 students and four staff members had planned to fly home on Saturday after a skiing trip. But things went downhill, no pun intended, when nearly all of the passports were destroyed. The uh, head headmaster of the Bar Beacon School, Katie Hibbs, uh, was talking to reporters on Sunday. The school said the uh, group was hoping to receive emergency documents on Monday in order to return today but uh, she said the money for the trip was running low in light of the unexpected multi-day extension now the first question i had in this story is how in the world did the hotel destroy the passports it is not clear how the passports were destroyed according to the news report uh police in uh, lincoln new hampshire confirmed that they uh, did respond to the incident took a report but could not comment further because minors were involved. Minor children. So we may never know, but that is a major oops. I Their, their uh, Yelp review is going to suffer, I think, as a result. Can you imagine? You're stuck in this country because the hotel destroyed your passport. How would you like to be the parents of some of those kids back in England? Wondering if your kids are ever going to get home. My goodness. And finally, the broken news this morning. Brittany Alba remembers the day that she and her husband, Frankie, received the news that they were expecting twins. Ah, it's a special moment. Even more special because it had only been six months since they had welcomed their twin sons. <laughs> Wait a minute, what? Um... The uh, pair told Good Morning America they uh, view their two sets of twins as a blessing, realizing that they were upgrading to a uh, to f a family of six, though, was uh, quite a shock. They went to from two to four like that because they had twins, and now they had twin boys. Now they're ex expecting twin girls. What's crazy is the uh, Albas said twins do not run in either of their families. Uh, so for them to expect twins once was surprising twice is astonishing. Brittany said, I never would have guessed in a million years that I would have one set of twins, much less a second set. So we were super excited, but it was also like a laughing and crying at the same time moment. I can imagine so. That is, that is crazy. And just six months after having, man, there you go. Uh, that is more than I could uh, handle, I tell you that. That is uh, today's broken news report, this update, the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. 
Your home for Cleveland Guardians baseball is WFIN. One and one, the count on Ramirez. Here's the pitch to him. Swung on, and there's a high fly ball. Deep left center field. Tracking it is Quinn. He's at the wall, but this ball is gone. Home run, Jose Ramirez. The Cleveland Guardians on 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. As of today, 20 days until spring. And that always, especially when you get a couple of days where it's really spring like yesterday, we uh, got kind of a spring-like day, got some spring showers, but it, it felt like spring, you know, and so we get you into that frame of mind, the spring getaways and summer vacations. According to a new survey conducted by one poll for FunJet Vacations, uh, most Americans uh, believe that people will be traveling more this year than last. 45% say they're going to be traveling more this year than last. Two in three say they plan on taking at least two trips this year and spending an average of $4,000 on travel. So, I mean, tight economy and all of that, money's tight, a little unsure, but we're spending on travel, $4,000 on average uh, spending on travel. And so they asked, what are some must-do trips that everyone should consider, that you should do at least once in your lifetime, must-do trips. Uh, number one on the list, I thought this was kind of interesting, 46% uh, said among their must-do trips that everyone should consider casino ha- cas- casino hopping for a weekend in Vegas. <laughs> Everybody should do that at least once, 46% said that. Uh, seeing Mount Rushmore was number two, 38%. Uh, the Disney World Resort in Florida was number three on the list of must-do trips, 36%. Uh, some of the others uh, may be a little more exotic. Visiting a volcano in Hawaii at 29%. Uh, exploring the Greek islands, 19%. Said the Greek islands, a must-do trip. Visiting Great Pyramids of Egypt, 17%. Swimming in the Bahamas. And 17%. Yeah, that's something I haven't... I've been to Hawaii, uh, been to Disney, been to Mount Rushmore, been to Vegas, um, the Bahamas. Yeah, that would be 17%. Um, So those are, if you're looking for some ideas for your spring or summer getaways, and you're willing to fork over the bucks, then those are some of the uh, trips that they say that you must do at some point. So Michelle Rumschlag is with us uh, on the phone line this morning, and it's a funny story, and has uh, got to uh, share because apparently she's got a, a bad case of poison ivy. I'm told, is that right? Yes, so I do. It's kind of an occupational hazard, I would guess, for someone in your particular profession. Yes, we were um, removing some uh, privet honeysuckles, so invasive bushes, on Thursday uh, with some mentoring students that we have. And, of course, it was warm that day, and I had had a coat on, and I took it off. And I know what it looks like and didn't think I was touching it, but obviously (laughs) I was. And it started on my arm, and it's on my other arm, and it's on my face. Um, Yeah. And, of course, if it really develops, it gets, like, blisters and it oozes, and so I am in the oozing (laughs) state, unfortunately. Um, Well, better you than the the kids, I guess. Uh, So... Yeah, hopefully that. everybody else had long sleeves on. I was the only one that didn't. And uh, lesson learned. That'll teach that you. That'll teach you. Uh, so everybody's starting, as we were mentioning earlier, everybody's starting to get a little uh, spring fever at this point, especially we get a few of those nice days. Even yesterday, uh, it kind of felt like spring with the showers and the rumbles of thunder uh, here and there and all right. of that. A lot of things going on in the month of March to get you outdoors. Right, and so starting off this weekend, um, we're going to have our, we've been having some monthly photography hikes, Mm -hmm. and so Saturday the 4th, um, this month is going to be at Arrowland Recreation Area, they're at the shelter at 9 o'clock, Okay, and this is for ages 16 and up, 
free, no registration required. And so you can bring your camera and you can bring your phone. Um, and just talking about taking photos in nature and going to look for some different scenes and stuff. And so, you know, all skill levels are welcome, camera types. Again, just kind of getting out in nature and looking for those neat things to take pictures of. Um, so that's at 9 o'clock at Airland Recreation Area okay. on, on the Saturday. All righty. Uh, what else is going on in the month of March? Um, so we have our um, annual Maple Sugaring Public Day happening ah. on Saturday, March 11th. This takes place at Litzenberg Memorial Woods from 9 until 12. And so we're open the whole time. You can stop in you know, right away or later in the morning. Um, we're going to have, of course, the, the McKinnis House open. Um, you can head out on the trail and stop at some sites to look at how the pioneers would have collected sap and, and cooked it down to make the syrup, the Native Americans. Um, stop by the activity barn. We're going to have some hot drinks and cookies there. Um, not doing our pancake breakfast this year. That's something we've done the past few years, but we're taking a pause this year with that. And then also in our barn, of course, we're going to have Fruce Sugar House with all of their maple goodies. They're going to have syrup and, I'm sure, candy, and they have the best popcorn covered in maple sugar mm. yumminess. That's, I don't know what it is. That is <laughs> good so stuff. Good. Um, so that'll be there. Again, no registration. Just stop on in. Hopefully the weather won't be too well, bad. I, it's always I, a little I, chilly in the morning, but we've really lucked out on our public day. So, again, Saturday, March 11th. Um, at Litzenberg Memorial Woods from 9 until 12. I tell you what, that is uh, one of those things uh, that you know e- uh, that you know spring is coming when maple sugar and day comes around. So right, it's one yep. of those and sure then, signs. And that's the season, you know, because you're supposed to, when the season's happening, you have the warmer days and the mm-hmm. colder nights. So you right. should be getting more sunshine that maybe we weren't seeing through the winter. And so, right, that's kind of a, there are, a March is normally a sugaring season. There are three signs, three surefire signs of spring that I always look forward to every year. There's Easter, there's uh, Girl Scout cookie delivery, <laughs> and there's Maple Sugar and Day. So those are the three, uh, and that's coming up here in uh, just a couple of weeks. What else yep. is going on in the uh, month of March? Um, so on Saturday, March 11th, we're doing a program called What's the Weather? And so I'm not a weather forecaster, and even sometimes they're wrong, but whatever is going to be happening that afternoon, uh, we're going to be kind of talking about. So uh-huh. if it's cloudy, we'll look at the clouds. If it's going to be raining or snowing, um, we'll just kind of, again, assess what weather we've got, take some temperature of the air, the soil, look at the wind. And, again, this is for families with children ages 6 and up. It's 2 o'clock at the Discovery Center porch there at Oakwood's Nature Preserve. Um, no registration, just pop on in, meet us there at 2 o'clock. And, again, just kind of, just what's the weather? Whatever's going to be happening. All right. Hopefully it'll be sunny and blue and we won't have much to <laughs> I kind of like that, though, because you don't know exactly what the uh, program is going to be about because it all depends on the weather. So Right, and, like and it could be nice in the morning and stormy in the afternoon or vice versa, so it's really hard to say. So whatever <laughs> will be happening outside... Uh, we'll be hanging out on the porch and okay. talking about what's the weather. I get 2 cool. o'clock on Saturday, March 18th. Okay. Uh, anything else to uh, make mention of in the uh, month of March? Uh, so we have our uh, We Once program, of course, our monthly story times. And on in March, it's going to be on Monday, March 27th. And the theme's going to be dinosaurs. So I'm sure it's going to be very popular. Um, we'll have a book about dinosaurs and some lit activities and a craft. Of course, these always take place at the Discovery Center at Oakwood's Nature Preserve. One change, though, we are only doing the morning time. In the past, we've done the 10 a.m. and then an afternoon time. Okay. Um, we've just had numbers dwindling, and so we're just going to be doing that 10 o'clock. So okay. if you want to come out, again, this is for three and under with an adult. Again, no registration, just it's free. Just pop in. So if you want to see... We Wins Dinosaurs on Monday, March 27th. You need to be there at 10 a.m. Very good. Uh, so uh, quite a few of the uh, events that we're talking about uh, for the month of March, some of the ones that you've highlighted, are no registration necessary. But right. when there are events uh, that you need registration for, you can do the, that all online. You can get more details on all of these uh, events uh, online as well, right? Right, HancockParks.com. So if it's something like our planetarium where there's no fee but we need you to register, you can do it that way. Of course, we do have some programs that we've got a fee. Um, March, April, May, all of our spring calendars on there and our summer camps are also listed. And I want to say we have – we're getting people signed up for our summer camps. Some of our one days in August 
are almost half full already here in the end of February. So they normally fill, um, and and people know they need to jump on it early. And so, again, if if you haven't planned your summer out yet, you might want to take a look at that so you don't miss out on the camps. I mean, we have them June, July, and August for all ages. Yeah. But just want to put that out there that – don't want to delay yeah. if you want to get in potentially on some of those camps. They I might would, be filling because we do have a maximum, and once they're filled, they're filled. Yeah, so I was you gonna, might want to take a look at those. I was going to mention that uh, those were out there, and now is the time to start thinking ahead uh, to uh, the summer camps and uh, so on. Also, a good time to start thinking ahead to uh, making your uh, outdoor plans for like uh, family reunions and birthday gatherings and that kind of thing if you want to reserve a shelter or reserve uh, some of the facilities uh, in the parks. Right. We do that year to date. So if it's something that you've got going on this summer, I definitely would jump on that. Um, or coming up for next year, again, once we hit that date, you can reserve that. And then also, I know this has been posted out there, but Litzenberg, um, the activity barn will not be available for most of the summer. We're going to be um, closing the park and doing some repaving of the parking lot and the driveway. So if you get on there and wonder why, that's that's the reason why. We're going to okay. kind of fix up the, the the walking paths and some of those. So the park will be closed um, for the summer while that construction happens. All and right. then we'll open later, probably in the fall sometime, um, when everything is done. All righty. So uh, things to keep in mind and events coming up in the month of March for anyone who is starting to get a little spring fever, a little cabin fever ready to break out. A lot of opportunities for you to do that. We've got a link up on our webpage for more information. And once again, Michelle Rumschlag, the Hancock Park District, with us this morning. Michelle, thanks very much. All right. Thanks for having me. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And once again, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the program at our webpage. Check us out online at goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the show, more evidence of a growing emergency fund crisis in Americans' household financial picture, but what to do about it. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.